Well, if we could, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling this morning, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read, the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, and I want to just look at verses 9 to the end, but if we take as our text uh, verses 15 and 16. Mark 16 and verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I wonder what you're like when it comes to uh, projects or hobbies. What kind of uh, person are you? Are you the kind of person who's good at starting something and then after a while you might lose interest and then, well, you never get round to finishing it. It's one of those jobs you just never got done. Or are you the kind of person who, when you start something, you're determined to make sure that you get it done? What kind of person are you when it comes to projects or hobbies? And I suppose there's a number of things that could be our project or hobby whether it's a sport or fitness or renovating part of the house, painting, decorating or cleaning or fixing something, whatever it is. It could be maybe you like putting large jigsaws together or making a model of something, a boat or whatever it may be. A number of things. It could be even restoring a tractor or a classic car. What kind of person are you? Are you good at starting something but you don't see it through to the end? Are you, or are you the kind of person who's determined to finish what you started? Well, when we started looking at the Gospel of Mark, I have to be honest, I never thought that we'd reach the end. And you know, I was looking back uh, to when we started looking at Mark's Gospel, and it was just over two years ago, March 2015. And of course, in that time, we've taken breaks and we've looked at other things in between but now, having counted 46 sermons later, we have now come to the end of Mark's Gospel. We've reached the concluding verses of this good news message about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because when Mark opened his Gospel account, that's all he wanted to tell us about. He wanted to speak to us about the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That was his opening verse in chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And throughout every page of his gospel, throughout the 16 chapters, Mark has presented to us this Jesus. He's portrayed to us Jesus' character. And he's highlighted Jesus' compassion towards sinners. And he's emphasized, Mark has emphasized to us again and again that the good news for sinners is that this Jesus came into the world not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The good news is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to die in our place so that we might have eternal life by believing in him. And you know, having now reached the end of Mark's gospel, we've heard a lot. We've heard many things about Jesus. We've heard many sermons about Jesus. Not just from me, but 
You could say, well, throughout our lives, we've heard many preachers and we've heard many people speak about this Jesus who is able to save to the uttermost. We have heard much. But we have to ask ourselves, has it made any difference to us? My friend, has your attendance in church for, well, the past number of years, however long it's been, has your attendance and all the sermons that you've heard in your life, has it made any difference to your life? What effect has it had upon you? What difference has it made to your standing with God? Has it done you any good? Has this good news message, has it changed your life? What effect has it had upon your heart and upon your soul? Has it softened your heart or has it hardened your heart? What difference has this gospel made to your life? And if you can say today that after all that you've heard and all that you've seen, if you can still say that this has made no difference, then that's a sad situation to be in. Because it only shows that despite all the good news that you've heard, you've chosen to ignore it. My friend, you have heard much. And you have been given much. And as you know, the Bible solemnly reminds us that to whom much is given, much will be required of us. We are accountable before God for all that we've heard about his son, Jesus Christ. And what we see in these concluding verses is that Mark finishes his gospel just the way he began it. He begins and he ends by speaking about Jesus. Because in this section, Mark tells us that Jesus, he's still active. He's still speaking. He's still calling us to believe. He's still delivering to us the message of good news to sinners. And Mark tells us that when we see Jesus in these closing verses, we see Jesus standing, we see Jesus sending, and we see Jesus sitting. And that's the headings I'd like us to use this morning. Jesus standing, Jesus sending, and Jesus sitting. Jesus standing, sending, and sitting. So if we look first of all at Jesus standing, Jesus standing. You look at verse 9. Now when he, that is Jesus, rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had not been seen by her, alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterwards he appeared to the eleven themselves, as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And you know, when Mark brought his good news account, when he brought this account of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ to an end, you could say that it, it certainly wasn't a fairy tale ending. And if Mark wanted to make his gospel a bestseller, instead of portraying the truth of what really happened, he could have said that after Jesus rose from the dead, everyone believed, and there was this hap- they all lived happily ever after. But what Mark tells us over and over again in these verses is that after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, He appeared before many people and he stood before them. 
But when they went to testify about the resurrection of Jesus, we're told they did not believe. And that's the recurring phrase Mark uses in verses 11, 13, and 14. They did not believe. They did not believe. They did not believe. And as Mark brings his gospel to a conclusion, a gospel which has been written to present the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he's given to us this written account so that we might repent and believe in the gospel. And yet the good news of Jesus' resurrection is presented to those who saw Jesus with their own eyes. And yet Mark tells us they did not believe. They did not believe. They did the very opposite of what he had hoped for. Mark had hoped that the people would repent and believe in the gospel. He had hoped that their lives would be changed. He had hoped that their their homes would be transformed. He had hoped that their hearts would be cleansed. And that they would believe in Jesus and commit their lives to him by becoming his disciples. But Mark says they did not believe. In fact, they refused to believe. After all that they'd seen and all that they had heard and after all that they had witnessed of Jesus, they did not believe. And you know, I've heard people saying to me that, well, if I had seen Jesus with my own eyes and if I had heard Jesus speak with my own ears and if I had witnessed all the things that Jesus did, all these miracles that Jesus performed, if I had seen these things and heard them and witnessed them, only then would I believe. But my friend, What we read here is that many people did and they still refused to believe in him. Many people saw Jesus for themselves. They saw the God-man, God manifest in the flesh. They saw him perform miracles that were beyond doubt act of God's. They saw him cleanse lepers. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him walk on water. They saw him feed 5,000 people with Just a little bit of lunch. They saw him calm storms. They saw him raise children and people back from the dead. And with every miracle they saw, they were amazed. And they all testified, we have never seen anything like this before. They saw Jesus doing all these things. And yet, they did not believe. They did not believe. But many people who not only saw Jesus with their own eyes, they also Heard him with their own ears. They heard him preach in their synagogue. He was moving from place to place, town to town. And they were amazed at his knowledge. They were amazed that he was one who taught with authority, not like the scribes. And they said of him, no one ever spoke like this man. And even when Jesus stood up in his own home congregation, he stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth, And Jesus, he read the the Old Testament scroll of Isaiah Isaiah 63, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we're told that when all the eyes of the congregation saw Jesus, when they heard him, they were fixed on him and they began to say to one another, who is this man? But Jesus says to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
And we're told that everyone spoke well of Jesus. They all marveled at his gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. They enjoyed the sermon. And all that was said by Jesus. And yet they did not believe. They did not believe. And you know Jesus he challenged them again and again as to to where they stood with God. He told them that they that are whole have no need of a physician. But they that are sick. Jesus kept telling them you're sick. You're you're sin sick. You're in need of cleansing. You're in need of being made well again. And Jesus stressed that religion will not do. Religion will not cover a multitude of sins. And with that Jesus he often challenged all the religious leaders of the day. He called them out. Said hypocrites. They're hypocrites. He said that they have this religion on the outside but they're hollow on the inside. He said that they were honouring God with their lips but their heart was far from him. And yet despite all that people saw, all that people heard, all that people witnessed, they did not believe. They did not believe. They refused to believe. And you know my friend, as we come to the end of Mark's gospel, just like Mark, I had hoped that you too would be different by now. That after all that you've heard, after all that you've seen and witnessed in the lives of, of others, that you, you yourself would believe and commit your life to Jesus Christ. I had hoped that more lives would be changed and more homes would be transformed and more hearts would be cleansed. And that you would believe in Jesus and commit your life to him by being his disciple. But like those of whom Mark is speaking here at the end of his gospel. Maybe we have to say about you today. After reaching the end of the gospel. Maybe we have to say you did not believe. You did not believe. After seeing Jesus on, on the pages of scripture. After hearing Jesus speak to you in his word. After Jesus challenging you as to where you stand with him. We have to say about you today. You did not believe. You did not believe. But my friend, sometimes I, I wonder what it will take for you to believe. I wonder what it will take for you to, to, to change your lives, to change your, your way. I wonder what it will take for you to, to commit your life to Jesus Christ. My friend, what will it take? What will it take? What will have to come into your life in order for you to see your need of Jesus? They did not believe. They did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because they never sought for themselves. But Jesus says to us. Blessed are those who have not seen. And yet have believed. They did not believe. And they didn't believe in the testimony of others. Because as we read. The resurrected Christ, he stood before these witnesses and they testified to his resurrection. Mark tells us that Jesus stood and he appeared before Mary Magdalene. And Mark makes sure that we know who this Mary Magdalene was because he says she was the one out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons. 
She was a woman who had had this dramatic conversion. Everyone knew that God had worked in her life. Because at one time she was far away from God. She wanted nothing to do with God. She was possessed by all these demons of the world. And yet Mark says that she was the first person Jesus revealed himself to after his resurrection. Jesus stood and appeared before Mary Magdalene. But they wouldn't believe her. Jesus stood and appeared before two disciples. Probably the two disciples who were walking the road to Emmaus. You read about them in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. And last of all, Mark tells us that Jesus stood and appeared before the 11 disciples. But notice what Jesus did. Look at verse 14. He says, Afterwards, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Jesus stood and he appeared before the disciples and he he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. After all that they had seen of Jesus, After all that they had heard from Jesus. After all that they had witnessed of Jesus. The disciples did not believe. And they didn't believe. Until Jesus stood and appeared before them. And rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. And you know my friend after all that you've seen. In Mark's gospel. After all that you've heard in Mark's gospel. Today Jesus is standing. He's standing. And dare I say he is rebuking you from his word. For your continued unbelief and hardness of heart. So is it not about time that you changed your ways? Is it not about time that you committed your life to this Jesus? Who is standing and he is still knocking at the door of your heart. Is it not about time that you closed in with this Christ who came to seek and to save the lost? Jesus standing. That's the first thing Mark tells us in these closing verses of his gospel. But secondly, we see Jesus sending. Jesus sending. If you look at verse 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. When Jesus stood and appeared before the disciples and rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, It seemed to awaken them from their slothfulness and their slumber. Because Mark says that Jesus appeared and he stood before them whilst they were reclining at table. Implying that they were eating and sitting. They were calm and comfortable. They were relaxed and resting. They were sluggish and slothful. They were peaceful and passive. But that's not what Jesus told them to do. Jesus didn't tell his disciples to sit around and do nothing. No, Jesus, he said, I am sending you out 
a sheep in the midst of wolves. He didn't tell his disciples to go into hiding and to cower away from their responsibility. He said to them, you need to go out and be as wise as serpents and as harmless as as doves. You need to go with this glorious gospel and proclaim it throughout the whole creation. And you need to tell them that God has come in the flesh. He has died so that sinners can be forgiven. And he has risen from the dead so that they might have eternal life. Jesus says, don't sit around here. Don't sit around this table. Go. Go. And you know, it was the resurrection of Jesus which clinched it for the disciples. They had been told on a number of occasions by Jesus... They had been told what would happen when they went up to Jerusalem. Jesus said, on that road to Jerusalem, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, he will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death, deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And for long enough, the disciples didn't know what Jesus meant by this. For long enough, they kept quiet about it. They somehow ignored what Jesus was saying. They thought that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to to become the king of Israel, not to be crucified on a Roman cross. But that day when Jesus stood and appeared before the disciples and rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, they knew. They knew that it was true. They knew that Jesus is the saviour of sinners. It all fell into place. They knew that Jesus is the Christ. And they knew in that moment. They can't keep this to themselves. They have to go out. And tell the greatest message in all the world. But they also knew that being a disciple of Jesus. It wouldn't be easy. Jesus had told them that. What it means to be a disciple. He had told them that. If anyone would come after me. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And Jesus put it so clearly when he asked, What does it profit a man if he will gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus was asking us as About discipleship. What is more valuable to us? Gaining the world. Or losing our soul. And Jesus knew the seriousness. About being one of his disciples. He knew the seriousness of it. That it's a matter of eternal life. And eternal death. And as we said. It was the resurrection that clinched it for the disciples. Because when we look at the book of Acts. That's the next stage. That's when the gospel is starting to spread throughout Israel and into Europe. And the message which the apostles preached again and again and again, the message which was to turn the whole world upside down, was the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so Jesus is not only standing, Jesus is sending his apostles out into the world. That's what the term apostle means. It means sent one. Someone who is sent of God. Sent out by God. And they're being sent out to proclaim the gospel. They're being sent out to herald this good news message. 
But what is the good news that they've been sent out with? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is it? And you know, this is what's so wonderful about Mark's gospel. As we said, Mark opened his gospel with the words, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The first words of Jesus that Mark records in his gospel, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And now at the very end of his account, Mark records the last words of Jesus. Jesus saying, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. And so what is the gospel? But the message of a resurrected saviour. What is the gospel but the foundation stone of Christianity? The resurrection is the foundation of Christianity. My friend, it's the, the sign and seal of the work that Christ came to do on earth. The resurrection, it's, it's the crowning proof that the ransom Jesus paid by his own blood on behalf of sinners, it's the proof that it's been accepted. It's the evidence that atonement has been accomplished. The resurrection is the confirmation that the head of the serpent has now been crushed, that death has been defeated, the grave has been conquered, and the victory has been won. The resurrection is the foundation that Jesus is sending these apostles out with, and he's saying to them, go, go and proclaim this glorious gospel. Go and proclaim it because this gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. And Jesus says the gospel, it's able to change lives. It's able to transform homes. It's able to bring forgiveness to sinners. It's able to set the captives free. It's able to bring comfort when the way is hard. It's able to help the helpless. It's able to even give those who seem to have this hopeless end in life. It's able to give them an endless hope. Jesus is saying, go and proclaim this gospel to the whole creation. Because this creation, it's groaning because of the effects of sin. It's struggling because of this war that we have with sin. Go and proclaim the remedy to a ruin. Go and tell them that there is a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned. And you know, there's one thing that comes across so clearly in Mark's gospel, and that's his urgency. He has this urgency with the gospel. His desire is that people will believe in the gospel. Mark wants us to be saved. He wants us to repent. He wants us to see how bad the bad news is in order for us to see how good the good news is. And he's desperate for us to believe in the good news of Jesus Christ before we're too late. And you know, this urgency to see people saved, it, it comes across when you read through Mark's gospel. Because his favorite word that we've seen popping up again and again is the word immediately. Immediately. Mark for Mark, everything happens immediately. Jesus does something, and then immediately, Jesus does something else. Everything is immediate. There's this urgency. And it emphasizes the urgency of his gospel. 
And that it's an action-packed gospel about Jesus Christ. And it seems to me that you could say that from the first verse, Mark has had this urgency to tell us about the gospel of Jesus. He's had this urgency to, to get us to the climax of his gospel and tell us how it all ends and, how, and what really happened. And it seems that he has this urgency to get us to the cross and tell us why he wrote his gospel and that we need to go out into the world with this gospel. And you know, when you read through this beautiful gospel, like you come to verse 1 of chapter 1, and you hear Mark saying, come, 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 come and listen. Come and listen to this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Come and see the good news. Come with me to find Jesus in this amazing story of redemption. Come and see all the miracles that Jesus did. Come and see who Jesus met. Come and see who Jesus healed. Come and hear the words that Jesus spoke. But he says, don't stay there long. Mark says, keep coming. Don't linger there. Don't hang about. Come with me. Keep going to Jerusalem. Come with me into Jerusalem. Come to Gethsemane. See the Lord in prayer. But keep going. Come with me to the judgment hall. Where injustice is carried out by Pilate. Come, come with me. Keep going with me. Come with me to the cross. See the cross upon which the Prince of Glory died. But don't stay there. No, no, no. Come with me to the grave. To the tomb. To the empty tomb. Come see where the Lord lay. Come see that he is not here. For he is risen. Now he says, now. Now that you've seen it all. Go. That's what he says. Go. Go with this gospel. Go with this good news. Go with this message of a wonderful saviour. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he says, when? Immediately. Immediately. That's when he wants us to go. He wants us to go immediately. And you know, my friend, Mark doesn't mince his words because the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's an urgent message. It's an urgent message. And it's urgent because we, as we know only too well, time is short. It's urgent because time is short. And believing in this gospel, it's the difference between an eternity in heaven and an eternity in hell. And that's what Jesus is saying here. As he sends out his disciples, his apostles, he says, whoever believes in the gospel and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe in this gospel will be condemned. And Jesus, he sets the terms of the gospel. And he presents to us the two roads, the, the, the two destinations, the, the two outcomes. And that's what Jesus did throughout his ministry. That's all he did. He presented two camps, the believer and the unbeliever. And he said time and time again, there's, there's no middle ground, there's no fence to sit on, there's no halfway house. He says, you either believe in the gospel or, well, you don't believe in the gospel. You're either in Christ or, or you're out of Christ. You're either found or you're lost. You're either saved or you're going to be condemned. You're either walking in the light or you're still in darkness. You're either a sheep 
or a goat. You're either wheat or a tear. You're either on a firm foundation or a false foundation. You're either on this narrow road that leads to life or the broad road that leads to destruction. You're either going to wake up in heaven, Jesus says, with me, or you'll wake up in hell without me. My friend, there are two roads, two destinations, two outcomes. Heaven or hell. And Jesus says, whoever believes the gospel will be saved. But whoever does not believe the gospel will be condemned. And you know, I must make this clear. When Jesus says that we must believe, He's not talking about intellectual assent. He's not talking about biblical knowledge, biblical upbringing. He's not talking about church attendance or clean living. He's talking about commitment. He's talking about commitment. That's what discipleship is. It's commitment. Jesus is talking about turning away from your old life and taking up your cross and following after him. Jesus is talking about commitment. That's what he means by believing. And so what Jesus wants to know from us today is, are you a believer? Are you committed? Do you want to be a believer? Do you want to be committed? If you do, then you need to ask the Lord to come into your life, to change your heart, to cleanse you from sin, and to give to you what this gospel promises to do. It promises to give you eternal life. Whoever believes the gospel will be saved, but whoever does not believe the gospel will be condemned. And so Mark tells us that when we see Jesus in these closing verses, we see him, we see Jesus standing, we see Jesus sending, and lastly and and briefly we see Jesus sitting. Jesus sitting. If you look at verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. They will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on them and they will recover. On the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And in verses 17 and 18, Jesus is very clear that those who believe in him and commit their life to him and become his disciples... They will be given special gifts. They will, as he says, they will be able to cast out demons, speak in tongues, pick up deadly serpents, drink poison, and heal the sick. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never met a Christian who can do any of these things. Maybe some can. But the reason I believe that You cannot meet a Christian who can do these things. is because these special or spiritual gifts, they were were confined to the apostolic church. 
They were evident in the early church and they were given to the apostles of Jesus, those who were sent out. They were given to them when the gospel was in its infancy and it was spreading across Europe. And this is why the apostle Paul, he had, met, he had a lot of trouble with spiritual gifts because some claimed that they had them when they didn't and others were abusing the gifts that had been given to them. But you know, I have to be clear, these gifts of casting out demons, speaking in tongues, picking up deadly serpents, drinking poison and healing the sick, they were largely confined to the generation of the early church and these gifts died with the apostles. Because by the time the apostles died, they had written the New Testament. And the word of God is sufficient for salvation. Of course, some claim, some still do claim, that these spiritual gifts, gifts and they have these spiritual gifts, the charismatic church emphasizes that uh, they, we are to use and develop these spiritual gifts, but more often than not, when you probe it, it's often to the detriment of the word of God. And they claim that they're better Christians. Some say that they're more spiritual Christians. Some say that they're even proper Christians because they can speak in tongues or cast out demons. And they say that they receive the second blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit. But what you often find is that those who say these things, they're contradicting Scripture. And Scripture, as I've said before, it's the final word. It's God's word. It's the authoritative word of God. It's the only rule to direct us on how we may glorify and enjoy God forever. But that's not where Mark finishes his gospel. He finishes his gospel with Jesus sitting. He says in verse 19, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And what Mark is emphasizing to us in these words is that Jesus finished the work he came to do. And Mark has made it very clear to us as to why Jesus came. He says that he came with this glorious gospel not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Which means that Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice for sin by laying down his life on the altar of Calvary. And you know, when we read the words of Hebrews chapter 10, we're reminded there that all of the Old Testament sacrifices, they were offered daily for sin. The writer to the Hebrews says that every priest stood daily. They were standing daily at the altar, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, repeating the same sacrifices. But he says they could never take away sins. There wasn't a moment to sit for these priests, from the moment they got up in the morning till the moment they slept, they couldn't sit down because these sacrifices kept coming and they never fully atoned for sin. But the writer to the Hebrews says that when Jesus Christ, when he came, when he offered himself as the one sacrifice for sin to satisfy the divine justice of God, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's wonderful. He sat down when he was finished. He sat down because he had finished the work that the Father gave him to do. He sat down when he finished his mission. 
But even though Jesus had completed his mission, the last verse of Mark's gospel tells us that the mission of the church was only beginning. The mission was only beginning. It says in verse 20, And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. The Lord went with them. The Lord worked with them as they went out into all the towns and all the villages with this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know, I love the opening words of the book of Acts. You go to the book of Acts in chapter 1. It's just the way it ended. Acts 1 starts the way the gospels end. Jesus has finished the work. He's ascending to the Father to sit at the right hand, at the Father's right hand. And as Jesus is sending out his apostles, he's promising to them, as he's ascending into heaven, he's sending them out that he will not leave them. He will never leave them nor forsake them because the Holy Spirit will come upon them. And they will be as witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then we're told that, I love this part, We're told that as the apostles were looking on and watching Jesus ascend into the clouds out of sight. We're told that two angels then appeared. And they said to them. Why are you standing here looking up into heaven? And their question, you could say, their question to the church of the past. And their question to the church of the present. Their question was. Why are you standing around when there is work to be done? Why are you standing around when there is work to be done? The angels were saying, get on with it. Get on with it. Go. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Son of God. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord our gracious God. We give thanks to thee for. This glorious gospel that we have. Help us to hold on to it so closely. But help us also to pass it on. To tell it to the generation following. That this God is our God. And he will be our guide even unto death. Help us, Lord, to be thy witnesses, to be witnesses for thee in wherever our lot is cast in life, whether it's in our home and amongst our family, whether it's in the workplace, or whether it's even going through our own village. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Help us to proclaim this unsearchable riches of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to tell others about the glory of the gospel who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Bind us together, we pray thee. Undertake for us in all that we say and do this day, the day that is set aside for us. Help us to rest in thee. Help us to wait patiently upon thee. Go before us, we ask, and do us good. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We shall conclude by singing in Psalm 89, Psalm 98. Psalm 98, not 89. Psalm 98, page 360.
Psalm 98. We're singing from the beginning down to the verse marked 4. This is a psalm which calls us to go and sing and proclaim the wonder of God's salvation. Let everyone know about it. O sing a new song to the Lord, for wonders he hath done. His right hand and his holy arm, him victory hath won. The Lord God his salvation hath caused to be known. His justice in the heathen's sight he openly hath shown. He mindful of his grace and truth, to Israel's house hath been. And the salvation of our God all ends of the earth have seen. Let all the earth unto the Lord send forth a joyful noise. Lift up your voice aloud to him. Sing praises and rejoice. These verses to God's praise. Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.